Welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the podcast where we read Patrick Rothfuss's The Wise Man's Fear, page by page. This is page 926. Chuckling, I cracked the letter open and scanned it quickly. He's asking for his ring back, I said. It's smudged, too. He didn't even wait for the ink to dry. Brayden nodded. Word is undoubtedly spreading. It wouldn't be so bad if she wasn't sitting strong at Alvaron's right hand. But she is, and she's made her opinion clear. Anyone who treats you better than a dog will doubtless share the scorn she feels for you. He fluttered her letter. And scorn such as this, there's plenty to go around without worry of it spreading thin. Brayden gestured to a bowl of rings and gave a dry... Mirthless chuckle. Just when you were getting some silver, too. I walked over to the bowl, dug out his ring, and held it out to him. You should take this back, I said. Brayden's expression looked pained, but he made no move to take the ring. I'm going to be leaving soon, I said, and I'd hate for you to be tarnished by your contract with me. There's no way I can thank you for the help you've given me. The least I can do is help minimize the damage to your reputation. Brayden hesitated, then closed his eyes and sighed. He took the ring with a defeated shrug. Oh, I said, suddenly remembering something else. I went to the stack of slanderous stories and pulled out the pages that described his pagan frolics. You might find this amusing, I said as I handed it to him. Now you should probably go. Simply being here can't be good for you. Brayden sighed and nodded. I'm sorry it didn't work out better for you, my boy. If you're ever back in these parts, don't hesitate to call on me. These things do blow over eventually. His eyes kept drifting back to the wooden ring on my finger. You really shouldn't keep wearing that. After he was gone, I fished Stapes's silver ring out of the bowl and Alvaron's iron one as well. Then I stepped out into the hallway. I'm going to pay a call on Stapes, I said politely to the guards. Would the two of you care to accompany me? The taller one glanced at the ring on my finger, then looked at his companion before murmuring an agreement. I turned on my heel and set off, my escort keeping pace behind me. Stapes ushered me inside his sitting room and closed the door behind me. His rooms were even finer than my own and considerably more lived in. I also saw a large bowl of rings on a nearby table. All of them were gold. The only iron ring in sight was Alvaron's, and that was on his finger. And that's the page. I'm Nick. I'm Jordana. I'm Jeremy. What a pickle. What a pickle. So Brayden has said twice, you really shouldn't be wearing that. Uh, and on the next page, Stapes will give him the same advice. Maybe it's, you know, maybe he really shouldn't be wearing it. Well, that's like, that's the thing. I'm just a simple country podcaster and I'm not given to wild and baseless speculation. However, the fact that it's mentioned three times that he maybe really shouldn't be wearing that wooden ring might mean that there's more to it than simply being a sign of his low social standing with uh, the Lady Mellowin. 
Yes, well, three is an important number. Yes, uh, I'm telling you three times. Jeremy, I know that you're you're couching it behind the simple country lawyer voice, but I want you to know that I appreciate that I have wormed into your brain and turned you into a crackpot theorist. I do you not appreciate seen him it, when sir. You were gone. <laughs> Why was he? Uh, he was said he the words. I have a crackpot theory. I have oh said those words before on this podcast, but sir, sir, I protest. I I have never made a baseless speculation. I'm just saying the idea is out there floating in the ether. You know, maybe maybe she put a curse on it. Who knows? Yeah, that's, maybe that's they believe probably, that it's cursed. Maybe maybe if she's the one who's who's doing all the manipulating, like I baselessly speculated way back, then maybe she did curse him. Who knows? Um, I think I think I said before that I think Braden is a master manipulator. Uh, he gets his ring back without asking for it. And he also gets uh, accounts of his pagan frolics, which go unremarked upon. But uh, I don't think that they are just worth a laugh. Uh, you might find them amusing, Quoth says. Uh, I, I think that perhaps <laughs> the so-called pagan frolics are more important than we know. And they've been sitting right in front of Quoth the whole time. And he just gave them up. What's more, he outed the people who have been stitching on Brayden. Yeah, that's certainly possible. That's all you got, Mr. Uh, Crackpot? Well, two pages ago, I pointed out that if Brayden really was a master manipulator, he is such a good master manipulator that he can control his blush response because when he reads the letter from Mellowin, he goes pale, uh, which... I think is a strong piece of evidence to suggest that he is not a master manipulator who is a secret Chandranoid manipulating Quoth from behind the scenes. I mean, he might still be, you know, genuinely fond of Quoth and surprised at Mellowin's actions here. Perhaps. Even a master manipulator can't, can, can't control every thread of the puppet. Perhaps. I, I do think that it's a, an interesting piece of world building uh, that just feels makes the world feel more lived in that Quoth can tell that this guy wrote the letter asking for his ring back so fast that the ink didn't have time to dry, which is not a thing that I think about because I have never like written with a quill pen like dipped in ink and had to wait for the ink to dry before I sent the thing. You know, when I write not with a pen, the wedding? ink is just dry. I guess I did you do it at your wedding, but I didn't ha. I didn't wait for the ink to dry and I wouldn't have noticed if it hadn't. I wrote my name and I left, you know, like Jeez, not much for ceremony. There were lots of people waiting to write in your book. I didn't want to hog my spot. This is mm. a reasonable and just answer. I will accept it. Well, it was your wedding. Just strikes <laughs> me as a world building detail that uh is is nice and makes the world feel alive and concrete and lived in cool just trying to see if there's anything else here yes uh there is the when quoth says to the guards hey i'm gonna go see stapes you guys want to come with uh they make note of the ring on his finger as well so we can assume that within hours of him leaving uh the mayor's palace like people all the servants are going to be gossiping about oh he had a wooden ring on he was wearing it, the one that Melanie gave him. Can you imagine? Uh, so I think that Quoth is... We'll, we'll see just what exactly he's up to before the end of this chapter, but I think it starts here. He's decided, if I'm going to be, you know, exiled from the court, I'm going to be exiled on my own terms, and I'm going to say goodbye to, like, the one other person who's 
opinion means something to me and who I kind of owe. And then everyone else here can go screw. Reasonable. Reasonable. All right. We have a letter today. Mailbag. This is from Bill who writes in praise of Jeremy. A me. Hello, readers. I've spent some time listening through random old episodes and something stood out to me that I don't think has been called out before. Jeremy is wonderfully strident about the things he thinks, feels, and believes. It's a big part of the charm of the podcast. What I want to call attention to, though, is how readily he changes once he's been proven wrong or convinced otherwise. He is such a great example of how to handle discordant conversation. You all disagree regularly, which is fantastic. Jeremy, in particular, handles his course corrections with ease and grace. Thanks to all of you, and to Jeremy specifically, for being awesome. All that's good. Signed, Bill. Well, Bill, thank you so much. That's really kind. That's a really kind way to say that I'm a loudmouth, uh, opinionated blowhard who is also frequently owned by my co-hosts. Uh, <laughs> well, you're I owned in such it. a graceful way, Jeremy. <laughs> Except for those times where I am not owned. I've never been owned, and I will continue to never be owned. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I was going to say I would also uh, accept my course corrections gracefully, except I have never been wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, you can continue to enjoy Nick never being wrong and me being owned on tomorrow's page. Uh... <laughs> the wind. <laughs> <laughs>